The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 13 minutes after 8, welcome to uh, the Forum at 8. Now, this morning we are talking about the culture of kickbacks. A kickback uh, is a term used to refer to the misappropriation of funds that enriches a person of power or influence. So uh, that person then uses the power or influence to make a different individual organization or company richer. Now, often kickbacks result from a corrupt bidding scheme where an official awards a contract to a particular company, even though that company did not place the lowest bid. In exchange for this corrupt practice, the company then uh, that was awarded Ordered the bid pays the official a portion of the profits, and this portion is what is usually referred to as a kickback. On the forum at eight this morning, we asked, "How can we deal with this culture of kickbacks in South Africa?" Please call us and tell us about uh, perhaps experiences you've had with result, or, or, uh, you've had with kickbacks um, in your uh, sphere of business. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight is the number to dial. You can also send us SMSs to the number three four seven zero. Or you can tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or uh, on my personal Twitter account at Sakina Kamwendo. And joining us uh, for uh, this discussion this morning, Nompumelelo Runji, who is a researcher and public policy analyst and also an opinions editor at Sowetan. She's in our Hatfield studios. Thanks for speaking to us this morning. Thank you very much, uh, Sakina, for having me, and good morning to your listeners. Uh, we're also joined by Cynthia Skuman, who is the founder and managing director of Ethics Monitoring and Management Services. Uh, good morning, Cynthia. Good morning. Thank you. And then Nkosi Kulule Nyembezi uh, is a civic society convener of the National Anti-Corruption Forum. Thanks for your time as well. Oh, yes. A uh, very good morning to you, Sakina. After uh, Comrades Marathon, <laughs> we're still reeling from all that, even if you're just a, a cheerleader, you know. You don't know how tired I am. <laughs> but moving along to uh, kickbacks. Now, Nambu Milena, I want to start uh, with you. You know, when we talk about kickbacks, um, you know, can we just explore some of the examples of what kickbacks or um, of what kickbacks are, whether they perceived or real, and to what extent these actually go on uh, to build corruption? Well, kickbacks, like you rightly say, fall under the umbrella of corruption, and this is the abuse of entrusted power for private gain. So you've got. Uh, Someone in a position of authority, invariably, um, it always involves someone who has a position of authority, who uses his position to benefit himself unduly. Or he misappropriates or abuses his uh, authority to benefit those around him or those associated with him. Now, this can take uh, the form of bribes, you know, that are exchanged behind the scenes for one or other person to get attended perhaps over another person. Uh, this can take uh, the form also of, um, uh, you know, s- certain types of other gains, you know, privileges, perks that someone does not deserve but gets because of the abuse uh, of power. Uh, so what it invariably does is it creates a situation where the integrity of institutions becomes questionable because of the people who hold power who then misuse and abuse that power. 
Mm. And, and and just uh, if we look at um, Cynthia at uh, the United States, for example, now they have clear legislation on this matter where kickbacks are considered fraud. But in South Africa, you know, are we as clear about this particular matter? Because it would seem as though it's considered unethical practice. Uh, but can someone be prosecuted for paying or receiving kickbacks in South Africa? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's very clear legislation in the U.S. and the U.K. We're seeing it now with the whole FIFA debacle. But in fact, in South Africa, we have the Prevention and Combating of Corrupt Activities Act. And it is extremely clear. It, in fact, recognizes that a kickback, a bribe, um, can take many forms. It can, of course, be, you know, the cash you slip the traffic officer or something. But it recognizes it in the broadest sense of whether it's a favor, a gift, or some undue benefit. It's a very lengthy section there. And and as I say, I the Act is really a, a good piece of legislation. The catch, of course, is you know whether it is enforced all the time and, and whether it is respected all the time. That, of course, is the big catch. Mm. You know, some people would say there's no way in which you can do business without kickbacks entering the fray. Yes, of course, and I, that is why uh, the issue is on the one hand about the legislative framework that deals with these issues of combating uh, kickbacks and, and, and uh, corruption, and on the other hand, uh, it is about public intolerance to the issues of corruption because we need to have a zero tolerance to an environment where there is uh, corruption. So the three things I would like to, to raise is about dealing with collusion and, and cartels. It's about dealing with the whistle-blowing uh, environment where people can be able to report such instances. And number three is about uh, dealing with the political party funding. And quickly, on this issue of the cartels and collusion, we know that even though government promises service delivery to the people when they go out to campaign, they actually procure those services through tenders to public, I mean, to private companies. And in this environment of unregulated tenders, that is when we get to have the kickbacks. And there's a shortfall in terms of how far we can investigate complaints that arise from uh, these issues of kickbacks. Because the public protector, uh, the auditor general, uh, and others, they only have an, a, a, a scope of investigation in terms of government departments and not private companies. And so what happens when a private company now has been given a tender and, and through the kickback position, you find that that is not covered. And hence, we call for a, an extension of the regulatory framework to be able to cover that as well. And of course, you know, the, the, the legislative framework is only as effective as, uh, in some instances, um, the evidence that we can see that it is actually effective. And what we see, Nompumelelo, very often is that, um, you know, people go unpunished for the longest time. And, and, and you know that these kickbacks are happening. The evidence is clear, but nothing seems to be done about it. Yes, and this perpetuates a perception amongst people that this is an acceptable practice. The culture of impunity when people don't see that there's actually a consequence for this type of behavior. And I want to agree with the previous speaker that it actually takes two people to have this corrupt relationship. People in the private sector are also as much 
complicit in the growth of public sector corruption mm. because you can't have uh, growing corruption in the public sector if you don't have a private sector person who is willing to fuel it through offering a bribe or a gift or a kickback etc and when we see uh, if you look at the the construction of the uh, 2010 stadiums and the collusion that was found there uh, we see that those companies that were involved in that uh, were just given fines and we don't see any further steps as in terms of pers- any prosecutions for individuals that have actually committed wrong so it creates a perception in the minds of uh, citizens that this is a practice that will not uh, you know no lead them to any uh, legal consequences so they can continue with it and I'd also like to reiterate the point that it's even in the smallest thing someone mentioned uh, giving uh, a, a bribe to a traffic officer for instance um, this culture then becomes ingrained and institutionalized in the way that we do things as society. So corruption then becomes exactly that, a cancer that then eats us up, not only from the top where tenders are happening, but even at the bottom where people now have to uh, fork out something to get a service that they deserve, uh, that they need, that has to be provided based on legislation. But now they have to, you know, give something to get that. So this culture is perpetuated not only by public sector officials who abuse their power, but private sector people who seek to manipulate those in power um, who may either be very greedy because corruption is driven by two things. The first thing is greed. Uh, people who already have enough but just can't control their desire for more. Mm. Then the second thing that drives it is this pov- poverty. And when I say poverty, I don't mean only material poverty. I also mean the psychological poverty of saying, perhaps if I leave this position, I will not have any other opportunity to gain the benefit that I want to gain now. So let me use this position to amass everything I need to amass because I've got nothing else to fall back on. And... Um, these are the two things primarily in South Africa when you, when you look at the corruption situation that are driving uh, uh, the problem. Lastly, um, one of the challenges that we have is that in South Africa, political office is increasingly being viewed as a path to material uh, accumulation. This is partly a legacy of apartheid because lots of people were involved in the struggle, did not have an opportunity to gain qualifications, did not have an opportunity uh, to get education and skills. So when they get into political office, they see this as the only way of sustaining themselves, sustaining their friends, sustaining their families. So if you can't get into political office, you seek to then uh, manipulate those who are to gain the benefits that you need. And this is where then this issue of nepotism, which is also a, p- a part of corruption, and as well as uh, you know tender fraud and kickbacks, then also gains currency as well. Mm. Yes, and and, and Cynthia, um, just something that Nompumelelo mentioned about um, kickbacks and bribes. What's the difference between a kickback and a bribe? And she also spoke about gifts. So, how do all of these, you know, uh, what does each one mean, and how do they actually fit into this whole scheme? 
you know, I think there's almost no merit in trying to separate out the words. I think that we use the word kickback colloquially, uh, but in fact, we're looking at, at what is, in a, in a bigger term, a bribe, um, money or some favor or some benefit that is paid for something that is not deserved, not earned, or for some outcome uh, that is not a proper outcome or a fair outcome. And, and so I think that, that trying to uh, almost minimize the issue by using lesser words, you know, we're, we're even into things like, oh, it was only a commission. Uh, now, in many circumstances, a commission is a perfectly legitimate legal and ethical payment. So I think we, we sometimes try and, uh, as I say, minimize the issue by relabeling. Mm. But once we're into the kickback, the bribes, the, the gifts, the whatever, um, I think that crucially we need to recognize that the intention in the giving of that benefit is unethical and in many cases illegal as well. And that's that's really the crux of it. What is the intention in doing this? This is not your friend who gives you a bunch of roses for your birthday. Um, that That's, as we can easily see, an entirely different circumstance. And, and the law recognizes that as well. And actually, so do most people. You know, I use the example of the traffic officer, but when someone slips the traffic officer, I don't know whatever the amount is, they're not actually trying to buy the person uh, lunch. They're trying to avoid a fine. And uh, so, as I say, I think, I think there's, there's no merit in that. Well, what is your experience of kickbacks? Uh, have you ever paid a bribe kickback? As um, you know, Cynthia was saying, there's no use in trying to get into semantics on this particular matter. What's your experience? Do tell us on 0891-104-208. And more broadly, we're asking, how can we deal with this culture of kickbacks in South Africa? Uh, let's go to Tabang in Rodeport. Good morning. Yes, good morning, Takina and your guests. Morning, Tabak. Um, yes, morning. Well, look, I, I happen to have had this, um, I'm not sure it's the privilege of, of presiding over a matter where a government official who who, who had an external company with other people, and he, he then goes on to recommend during a tender process that that very company should be awarded a tender. So this is how you see it manifests itself in various forms, because obviously he, he's part of that company, he then is part of the process that ensures that that company is, uh, you know, awarded a tender. So mm. I just wanted to contribute and say, yes, indeed, it can take various forms. All right. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Tabang. And I'll ask our panel to maybe elaborate on, 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 on some other forms as well that this could take. Hutato in Pretoria, good morning. Good morning, uh, Satina. Uh, my, my concern is how much about how much we politicize corruption. And I'll, I'll give you two quick examples. We are almost oblivious to private sector corruption. So uh, your, your guest spoke up about the private sector corrupting the public sector. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about corruption that takes place within the private sector itself. And most of the time we are told, no, those are private funds. But that used to happen in the 1920s. Today, most companies, especially the big ones, are listed on the stock exchange. So it's your pension, it's my pension that set up this company. So whatever happens those, in those companies affects you and I even more than the wages of our taxes because it, it hits directly.
it hits your life savings. So, oh, okay. but for some reason, we are oblivious to what happens in the private sector. I mean, the second example quickly that I'll give you that if you go to a private sector, the suppliers to the private sector, the, it's a standard practice, it's almost like a standard practice that they will take the buyers and everybody else on hunting trips and all these things. And that is a form of, of corruption, it's a form of inducement. So I'm saying, if you focus on only one uh, uh, sector of society and try to root out corruption and leave the other for corruption to prosper and all that, you, I doubt your motives. I doubt whether it's about corruption or it's about something else. Thank you so much, Khutato uh, in Pretoria. Karim in Durban. Hello, Sakina. Hi, Karim. My old Stanton friend, how are you? I'm well, thanks, and you? You ever go to Stanton? Must go one day. Must see the river there. <laughs> Sakina, you know, we are discussing a very good issue, but you know, one has to differentiate between two, uh, two, two ideologies, right? The one is government and the one is private. Now, if the government doesn't set the tone for corruption, the public will think, well, it's a norm. But, you know, besides the government, I think there's a lot of uh, rife corruption in the government, which has to be rooted out first. But I do, know, I do agree with the previous speaker. In the private sector, whatever everybody, the small dealer, the small shop, the big shop, the big dealers, the big companies, everybody is on the take. You know, you do this for me, I'll give you this. You do this for me. And that's basically the same thing. If people are corrupt, and how do you eradicate corrupt? It can only come from a human element. No law will change it, but yes, government can make it enforceable in government that anybody found with corrupt values will be fired, will be discharged, and he must pay back the money to the government coffers. Privately, they can also do that, but it's very difficult for the laymen. They do it all the time. The small shops do it all the time. But I think government is the first stepping stone in that direction. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Kareem. We're talking kickbacks this morning. What has been your experience? Well, I'll tell you one of my experiences uh, where you are asked to uh, send a quotation for uh, doing a certain job. And you say, OK, I'll quote you 10 rand. And uh, the person says, OK, make it 20 rand. And then you can uh, give the 10 rand to me. And then, you know, uh, I'll make sure that you actually get uh, this particular job. Do you actually do it? Do you go? through with it well too rich for me um i love my sleep so i want to sleep peacefully so i'm not going there but uh, what has been your experience this morning we're talking about the culture of kickbacks how do we deal with this culture of kickbacks in south africa do call us and let us know you know uh, maybe you know uh, uh, of uh, some experience that someone else may have gone through maybe you yourself have been at the center of you know a kickback uh, saga so tell us exactly how it went 0891104208 that's the number to dial but let's try and respond to some of the questions raised before the break um uh, this one from Tabak Tavamu was talking about some of the forms of kickbacks and Khutato are talking about the politicization of corruption and how that actually plays out. Nkosikulule, uh, maybe I should start with you. Of course, yes, it's important uh, point that has been raised by, by the callers because uh, the issue of government officials doing business with government is still a big, it's a, still a big problem. During Minister Lindwe Sosulu's uh, tenure as Minister for Public Service, she announced in the budget speech all the measures to to deal with that. But what happens on paper in terms of the policies in place to prevent government officials from doing business with government and what happens on the ground, uh, there is a disparity there. Uh, and of course, uh, the issue also that government needs to set example is an important one because while we may be speaking about private 
to private uh, NTT corruption. Uh, the biggest concern from our side as the National Anti-Corruption Forum is that government funds that are taken from taxpayers' uh, coffers uh, and, and being used uh, for, for this kind of corruption uh, is something that is completely uh, unacceptable. And that is why we need to, to, to focus on this regulatory framework for whistleblowing because what we know now is that uh, there is advertisement that you can report uh, incidents of corruption and kickbacks to this number, but because of the fragmented nature of the protective laws uh, that deal with whistleblowing and the narrow scope that uh, they cover, uh, it, it places a problem. You report to this office when you're supposed to be reporting to this office, and most often what we find is that those who are reporting as whistleblowers are the ones who end up being victimized by the system. And in fact, what we had expected to see as an outcome is a, a list that blacklists uh, and names and shames uh, those who have been reported by whistleblowers uh, so that they cannot be considered for government jobs in the future. But we haven't seen any of that. And hence, uh, I think uh, that thing that says if you do this act of corruption, you, need, you are going to be found out, you're going to be reported, it still is not strong. And another point is in the terms of the uh, anti-corruption, uh, I mean the Competition Act. We have seen that the, the Competition Act Amendment of 2009 uh, that came during President Motlante's time. Some of these provisions have still not been implemented. Uh, and hence we see that there is a repeat awarding of tender to companies who time and again contravene this act, whether it is the bread cartel, the flour industry, uh, and other basic communities. And that points to the lack of political will on the side of government to say why is an act that was passed in 2009, some of its provisions are still not in place and we do not get protection from that. And we define that as lack of political will. Mm. But if it is such a, a serious transgression, why aren't we seeing harsher penalties? Why aren't we seeing, um, you know, this particular problem, this fraud being dealt with effectively? Uh, you know, these are some of the questions that are floating around. Let me read some of the messages coming from our listeners. Kulu SD says, it starts with the top. If the government is transparent and incorruptible, there won't be a need for kickbacks uh, to be the norm. Khomotso uh, Maluleka says, with the deep-rooted nature of such acts, it is difficult to stop. The big boys will kill the whistleblowers. Jacques Cupido says um, when the kickbacks are in the private sector, it's called business, and when it happens in government, it's called corruption. Tulani Ayanzima says the challenge is that it's easy to blame anything or anyone um, that is uh, in the public sector, hence they thrive on uh, corruption in private. And then Norman Moyo says uh, when you don't deserve it, you compromise principle in the name of kickbacks. Kickbacks kick out competence of public fairness. Chifiwa says, uh, my company does not get any government accounts and it's because we do not want to pay uh, grease funds. And then Dumisani Ntlengetwa says, employees should be empowered so that they are able to recognize a kickback because many would think it's part of the organizational conduct and culture. Uh, Makema says, any difference between a price 
fixing and kickbacks because they all seem uh, very similar. Odis says uh, remove government officials from having individual uh, private businesses because that replaces moral values with material values. And uh, Benson Mapangwana says getting a tender is like going to a pick and pay store. You pick a job and you pay a supply chain officer for that job. As simple as that. Let me just get a quick response there from uh, Cynthia and Nompumelela. Cynthia, you first. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing so many of your callers, if you want, being defensive of public sector and saying, it, it, you know, watermark business. And, and let's be clear, there is obviously a huge amount of bribery that exists in business. We can think classically in the area of procurement. Mm. Uh, many organizations, by the way, have gone so far that something that's become very sensitive is a gift policy. And there are organizations where they have zero gifts of any kind because it can be construed as a bribe. We can think of the situations where, for example, BEE certificates have effectively been bought. So, of course, there are many instances in the in the private sector, and one should not ignore that. The issue of the public sector, though, is that within our country, as in any country, the government stands as the primary authority and ideally as the primary example of how that country conducts itself. And so, therefore, in terms of of literally the leadership role model, uh, they never surpass business in that regard. They they are able to impact many, many more people than any organization, uh, you know, irrespective of the size. And so I think the importance then of of really seeing uh, a good demonstration of political will to genuinely fight corruption and bribery in all its forms um, has to start with cleaning up one's own house. So it's not minimizing what the what the private sector is doing, but it's recognizing the far, far greater role model impact of, of government. Mm. Uh, let me go to the uh, lines. When I come back, Nompumelelo, I'll start with you. 0891-104-208, the culture of kickbacks in a South African society. How should we deal with this particular problem? Mike Newlands, good morning. Yes, hi. Good morning. I just want to defend, the, not defend, but I just want to say that many businesses such as myself who are in business for many years were forced into corruption. I, I ran a legitimate business. I was asked by a government department to pay a bribe. I did it once. It was a very unpleasant and, I must say, dirty experience. I did it once. As I say, I handed over the money to maintain the contract. I realized I couldn't continue for two reasons. Firstly, it wasn't right. And secondly, it corrupts your whole business because now you've paid this money over in cash. You've got to hide it somewhere. You have your accountant wants to know where it is. And so it became, you, you end up becoming a, a completely corrupt organization yourself. And it's one of the big dangers. And then the other thing is that <clears throat> I couldn't do anything about it because uh, I found that the um, casual attitude in which I was asked for the bribe clearly meant that uh, he, the, the person asking for it was, was well protected. It ultimately lost uh, three of my staff members were, were dismissed. Uh, I approached the union for relief and asked them to assist me in this matter, and they thought they couldn't understand what the problem was. They sort of really thought I should just pay the bribe. So I just want to say that, you know, we must be sympathetic to business. Many businesses don't want to pay bribes, but when you've got staff and you've got a, a, a small employer such as myself, you very often are forced into a corner where you have no choice. Mm. And then, as you said, it was difficult because you knew it was wrong, Mike. But uh, do you believe that you should be sanctioned for that act? You know, uh, it was the first time I ever did it. I've always regretted it. And uh, But, you know, the three staff that eventually left 
Um, I re-employed one of them on another contract. But that was, that was the part that really made me feel bad, is that somebody else picked up that work, and my three staff members lost the job or lost their jobs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, just, I did it once, and I wouldn't do it again. But more importantly is that your books become corrupted. And when the accountants go through your books, you have to start lying all over again and explain where did this money go. And then that's where the real trouble starts. I was honest with my accountant. I told him, and, we, and somehow it went through the books, and it was fine. But I wouldn't do it again. Should you be sanctioned, though? And Mike, we lost Mike in Newlands there. Because, you see, it's always very easy to pinpoint someone else's corruption and what, uh, how they should be dealt with. But what happens in the event that you find yourself in that very same position? Let's hear from Henry in Bloemfontein. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Hi, Henry. Hi. Look, man, I, I want to just speak a little bit about the relationships between government and state-owned enterprises. Um, and to say that that is an area where corruption thrives, and if corruption can't thrive in that area, that is where state-owned enterprises simply will collapse and they will go out of business. Um, I've seen this for for many years. Um, I've seen a CEA, a board member, a board chairperson, for example, of a state-owned enterprise, tender for a job with the very same company with which with which he serves on the board um, and for which he got a tender when his tender was about even a million rand more than the second or third tenders. Um, and even although at the time I was on the adjudication committee and I objected, um, I was overruled by my CEO and this person actually got the job. Um, it, it, it even came to a point where you get you get your executives from enterprises coming into offices of, of enterprises and actually demanding that if you as an office do not allow and enable state officials and politicians to get work through kickbacks, then that is not the way to go. All what right. they say is that you have to allow it to happen because that is how we stay in business. Unfortunately, I said no, and unfortunately, I lost my job. Um, so yes, that is that is not going to go away in, in, in the future, I believe, unless some type of institutional arrangements gets placed whereby the actual management of procurement is taken out of the dirty hands of officials and politicians. Mm. Thanks so much, Henry and Bloemfontein, for sharing. Felix in Nelspreet. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Welcome, Felix. Yes, I, I, I think uh, the kickbacks on the corruption must be tackled actually by uh, government entities because this is the institution that is supposed to organize and use the national resources properly. And if it is not being done at the government level, it, I doubt if it can ever be done at any level even private, whatever level it is. Because we take, for example, in, in an institution in which government needs to procure things, and they know the prices are inflated, but they still say, no, that's the way we do business, that's the way government works. We cannot buy things for 3000 when the government is buying it for 30000 for example, the same thing. So I think it's at the government level that this thing must be sorted out. Mm. Okay, thanks, Felix. Rose and Durban, good morning. Hi, Sakina. You know, um... You take a simple situation, all right? 
because I'm asking myself what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Both parties are clearly um, involved in criminal behavior and activity. But you take, for instance, somebody who wants a plan to be passed. Unless they pay something to get the plan passed, it's going to take six to nine months and it's going to be delayed at every possible stage before they get the plan passed. So at the end of the day, the developer says, okay, let's just pay this. Let's do, it's going to co- if we wait six to nine months, the building costs are going to escalate by 20%, which is going to cost us an extra three million. So let's just pay this guy his 5,000 rand and get our blimmin' plan passed through. Now, at the end of the day, what I'm saying here is that nothing is going to change until there are such severe consequences for soliciting a bribe and for paying a bribe that nobody would dare to do it. If, unless you get the controls in place, unless you get a, a, a criminal charges laid against people who do these things, you will get absolutely nowhere because the people who need stuff, whether it's your birth certificate, whether it's a plan, whether it's whatever it is, are going to at the end of the day say, you know what, if we wait nine months for this thing, we're not going to make our holiday. So let's pay the guard 2000 rand and let's get our birth certificate. Mm-hmm. So but you Rose, know, what happens in the event that everybody simply refuses to pay a bribe? Well, well, how would you, you see, my point is, I've often thought about that, but how would you actually orchestrate that? How will you actually orchestrate that? We don't have any control over that, but what we do have control about is we should have corruption police, and they should be paid so well that they wouldn't even bother to take a bribe. And they should be after any single incident. If they, they should have a, a, a line that we can phone to report this corruption, and they should be above any reproach, these people. And they should be onto any hint of a bribe being paid, any hint of a bribe being solicited. Mm, that's Rosen Durban. Uh, Richmond um, uh, Sekatane on Twitter says we should have a professional body for all employees uh, that work in supply chain um, uh, management and um, perhaps in that sort of way try and gain some more oversight. SS in Lovo and Nelspreet, good morning. Morning, how are you? Patina? Well, and you? What a topic, really. This topic makes me to be emotional. Why? Because of what is happening in the country like you said when you opening your show to say that it seems as if it's normal mm. definitely it's like if you are not uh, accepting bribe you are not civilized or you are not living in this country the way the corruption it is it is condoned by the government that we are saving because really there are people who commented that if we want to see corruption going away the government need to lead on this but unfortunately, the kind of government that we are having now, we are not leading at this, and it seems as if they are embracing everything that is uh, happening in the country when it relates to corruption. Let me go, for instance, here in Nella State, in Bombela. I was arguing my, with my wife last week. He got a, a, a learner's, and now he won the driver's license. She told me that in a, for her to get a license, she need to pay 3500 to a driving school, plus 1500 Because without doing that, there is no way you can get a license in Bombay. You know, I was arguing mm-hmm. there to say that, how can you say me that I must pay 1500 for a bribe? 
And she said, there is no way. Phone these people and these people and find out if I can get a license without paying this 1,500 in front. Other than that, if you want me to see me failing now and then, then don't pay that 1,500. And then I was so shocked and I didn't know where can I report this because really I know that there is no way where I can report this and can be investigated thoroughly without maybe involving the media. Because it seems as if people are doing their job correctly now, it's the media. Mm. No, that, that, that is very worrying, uh, SS and Lovo. How did we even get to this point? Here's another one. Uh, this one says, government must make use of a central payment system. At Greater Litaba Municipality, you will never pass your driver's license without paying a kickback. I paid 2,000 rand to get mine. How many other people paid for their driver's uh, or learner's licenses? And then we wonder why uh, we see all the carnage on our roads. Keta and Freyheit, good morning. Hi, Sakina. Good and you? Yes, I'm good, Sakina. Sakina, this thing of corruption, in fact, you will never get rid of it since uh, all the officials are so corrupt. If I can tell you, for instance, here in France, we're having a transnet shutdown all over. So people are getting those tenders. Our people are working inside transnet. So how can that happen? Mm. So corruption is something that you cannot get rid of it until South Africans are doing their things correctly when, when they're casting their votes. Okay, but, but here's the other thing, Keta. So are you going to wait? Is everybody going to wait for someone else to make the first move? You can see what is happening in your town. Uh, have you tried to actually uh, report this matter, to take it further, to take a stand against this sort of corruption? It's like, you, know, you can't take this thing further because you will, no, will never get help in, at any way. Mm. We, 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 we see so many people losing their jobs when they're trying to report corruption. All right, that's Keta in uh, Freyheit. Sigin Randberg, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. I want to express my deepest sympathy with, with, with Mike of Newlands, who can't do business in this country uh, with, with the corrupted comrades without engaging in corruption himself. You can't do business in this country without uh, the comrades who, who are defended by the president who says, we can uh, deploy our comrades into all offices and, and corrupt the entire country. That's effectively what our president is saying. And he's shown it with us, to us with Nkandla that you can, he's got the biggest kickback of the whole lot is Nkandla. Shame on our president. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sig, and shame on us for paying those bribes. As I said earlier, it's a lot easier to see someone else's corruption and condemn it. But what about your own? The circumstances are neither here nor there if we bring it down to a matter of black and white. The fact of the matter is you are equally as complicit in this matter. Miles Budu in Johannesburg, good morning. Good morning, Skinner. Very shortly, uh, nothing is going to happen, absolutely nothing until such time the uh, majority of the people of the country get decriminalized. I'm not going to talk about white-collar criminals because they have been there and they have joined forces with the black-collar criminals. And the black-collar criminals are the majority in this country. And until such time, we decriminalized ourselves because all of us 
have been criminalized since time immemorial. Decriminalize the, white, the black mind, and you cannot go to an institution to decriminalize it. You will have to do it all by yourself by saying, no, it is wrong, it is a crime, and I don't want to be part of it, because I will be arrested. There is no perfect crime, let alone a perfect murder. Thank you so much, Miles Budu. Nombongo says, we see uh, a lot of this now. We are giving you this tender worth 500K, add 1.5 million and you pay it to me. And it's for campaigning for this particular uh, campaign. And then Cynthia Nkosi says, the Satu Saga, uh, what is it called? A giving of goats and cows in exchange for positions? That's exactly what we are talking about. Liza says, I once bribed two men uh, with ladder and saws to cut off a dangerous eucalyptus branch uh, in their lunch hour. We felt guilty, but we were happy. That's from Liza. And then um, Kinosi Luti in Umtata says, this culture of kickbacks is very prevalent in public schools here in Umtata because the department is dismally failing to monitor and audit public schools' financial expenditure. And Seppo in Johannesburg says, there's nothing as revolting as a corrupt public servant. In my book, that is a counter-revolutionary. And then a few others. Jonas Masinga says, public servants' kickbacks is their way of life. Finish and clear. George in Durban says, now we're blaming our apartheid for corruption. Eddie in Northwest, Sakina, business lunches and breakfasts are also kickbacks. Hmm. Got to think about that. And then uh, Brian says, it only takes one person to create a corrupt relationship. The person that says yes. Uh, B says, I wonder if the fact that FIFA was uh, dispensed of paying taxes could be considered as a kickback and eddie says uh this is a cancer small businesses die because of this evil act that's eddie and and um in eastern cape says this is a daily practice in government it results in price inflations and nick in hilton says what about the kickbacks that suppliers pay uh national supermarkets also known as rebates to stock their products and it goes on because you've got doctors and what happens in uh, the medical field you know um do doctors receive kick uh, receive uh, kickbacks if a doctor says to you uh, uh, or prescribes a certain medication to you how sure are you that that is in fact the best medication available or could it be that the doctor is prescribing this because he's getting something back from uh, the pharmaceutical company I don't know, but it just seems as though this is so pervasive. And then just uh, two quick ones that I want to end this off with. Uh, Serge says, instead of justifying it, we should fight and destroy it. Otherwise, it will destroy our societies. And this one by Stembele Jr. If I had a prize, I would give it to you. Short and simple. Corruption is not an act. It's the state of a person, is what he says. With that, we come to an end. Thanks to our guests, to our listeners, and of course to the production team for making sure it went out loud and clear. So you decide what it is that you are going to do about this issue of kickbacks, or should we say corruption. It's nine o'clock. Time for news with Vabakshni Chetty Miller.